you're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Thanks for having me, sir. I really appreciate it. This is uh, this is quite the honor. I've uh, been uh, I, I've been a huge fan of, of Rugged Legacy, all Rugged Legacy things, and a huge fan of you, and a huge supporter of watching uh, watching you make uh, make the world uh, make the world your uh, your oyster. And uh, just very honored to be here, and very honored to uh, be able to talk to you about fatherhood. It's really awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I've been watching your your journey from and trying to balance dealing with everything that comes with a divorce to dealing with everything that comes with you know having your children part-time and trying to be a full-time dad in a part-time job world at the same time work on yourself and live the life that you truly want to live and like we were talking about before we started it's very rare that I get to look at someone and I get to see them in this bachelor, and I hate to say it this way, but almost a playboy kind of lifestyle, doing, doing whatever the hell he wants, and then in the same breath can dive deep down into what it truly means to be a father and in improving on that aspect of your life as much as your own personal and private life. Uh, and it's a, it's a very rare dynamic that you get to see someone like Usually you just have one or the other. You see it all the time in the content that you will be seeing online, uh, YouTube videos, Twitter followers, Instagram, all this other. There's the Playboy guy. Like in, for, I, I think of uh, Andrew and Tristan Tate. You know, Andrew, I had him on the show. And he's got no kids, and he's a multi-millionaire doing whatever the hell he wants. And then you see guys uh, like Zach Small. Mm-hmm. Average Joe, and he's all about family and fatherhood, da, 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 da. and they're two diametrically opposed things. And you are the mashup of these two, uh, as it were. And it's it's interesting. So, in the spirit of Father's Day, and for all of you listening, happy not single Mother's Day. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Amen. So when I guess we'll we'll start it off from the beginning when things were not going your way uh, as your your marriage was coming kind of down to an end and you were starting to realize you guys were completely incompatible. Mm-hmm. One of the worst fears that happens to a man when he's getting divorced is that he's not going to see his kids. So I guess just talk us through that and how you started you came to terms with the possibility of that being a thing and what you did to make sure that you got. Uh, maintain your role as a father. 
Yeah, it's really interesting how that came about. Um, I was I was in therapy for two years before I decided to get divorced, and there, you know, there's a there's a, a discussion sometimes about people who talk about when you get divorced. There's two people who are in different points of that decision. My ex was at probably step one or two. I was about step 30. So I was ready to get divorced. So I actually filed um, and I had to carefully craft um, a divorce that I was going to be happy with. And I will say that I was very lucky to have an ex who was extremely understanding and has been a wonder to work with. Um, we definitely truly are co-parents. And what really helped that was the fact of the matter is that she is, she understood, and a lot of women in divorce don't understand this, but she understood how important it was for a dad to be in their child's life. Um, a lot of times you see divorce turn into this you know, uh, it, it's, it's a grab for cash and prizes. And when it's why you see a lot of people change their whole dynamic when they're in divorce versus when they were married, they'll change and become this completely different person. But my ex realized that it was important for me to be in the child's life, in the kids' lives. And that made all of this really easy. It made it much easier than it would have been had I had to fight for custody of the kids or whatever. So full custody or custody of the kids was never really in doubt. Um, it, it was always going to be 50-50. That's what we, we, we understood. And it was the strength of that, you know, of, of my fatherhood and, and, and her motherhood and our co-parenting that really kind of helped us uh, avoid all the pitfalls that happen with divorce. What, you know, there are men out there that don't see their kids. You know, there, there are men right now that are listening to this that are you know, that are having a Father's Day without their children. And all, all I had to do was pick up the phone, call my ex and say, hey, I know you have the kids. Do you mind if I take them for about six hours and seven hours? And she said, sure. And it was just, you know, it was just, it was absolutely no big deal. And it was no, there was no struggle. There was no fight. It was just, she said, uh, you're a great dad. They need you in their life. And there's no reason why you shouldn't have them in your life. And I think that took a whole lot of the hard, you know, stuff away from the divorce. The divorce became easy after that. Once the kids, once we figured out that we were both important for the kids' lives, then everything else kind of just fell into place. It was very helpful. It was very helpful to have a co-parent that I get along with. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. sake of saying it we both know that family law or family court here in america is geared away from men you know you you see it all the time with hell uh, a, a woman getting full custody of her kids yet she is you know a drug addict or jobless or homeless or whatever you know nine times out of ten family court decides in favor of the mother dad gets his kids four days a month, which is nowhere near enough time uh, for a father to be able to influence his children. And yeah, there's the argument of quality 
versus quantity, but you can't even build up in quality if you're constantly having to fight back another 26 days of negative horse shit being stuffed into your kid's head. So, yeah, uh, definitely uh, having an ex who is more than willing to work with you because you're a good dad. Um, and I, I think it, it's important to kind of add in there that had you not been that good of a father, it probably would have gone differently, even though you were the one who filed first. Um, but even still, you see a lot of good dads get shafted they don't want anything else you know they'll give you they'll give their ex-wives their house and every penny they have all they want is their kids uh and they get shafted just you know usually out of vindictiveness and uh, yeah it's you're right yeah well it's and it's you're absolutely right it's it's um the women women know that the state is essentially that they're they can weaponize the state against a man um a woman doesn't pay child support she gets a slap on the wrist. A man doesn't pay child support. He goes to jail. Um, that's just how it is. And I can't, I can't make it any better for any guys. The only way I can actually make it better for guys is to tell them that even, you know, even if she's acting like a, a you know, a piece of crap, you still have to be above that. And the court, while it is geared towards women it does have um it does have some leniency towards men especially men who rise above the bullshit um and that to me was is one of the hardest lessons for men to learn because especially when in in, in a divorce a divorce is a very volatile situation it's a very emotional it, it, it's just rough and guys tend to lose their heads and when they lose their heads, it's, you know, it, it sucks because they get penalized. They'll get penalized so much more, so much worse than if a mother were to lose her head. Because, and it's like, you know, you get the threats of, oh, well, I'll just take you to court because the state's on my side. Women know that. I mean, women know this. They know that the family law system is, is, is rigged against them. And so, to me, I, I think it, it just... A level of stoicism is always good for a man, but especially in a situation that's so volatile that could potentially ruin his life, especially when it comes to his kids and his finances. Um, I think high road is just so much, uh, it's such a better path for guys to take. Because yes, the cards are stacked against you, but never let them see you sweat. Right. And a part of that is that in a divorce situation, at least from my, the, my limited experience uh, with it myself, because I've never been divorced, but you see it play, done a lot in family court where, you know, the, the, the soon-to-be ex-wife will always play the part of the victim. He was bad to me. Um, you know, I'm not even talking about an extreme situation where he was a piece of shit and he beat the hell out of her. Um, you know, he neglected my feelings, da, 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 da. and they play the part of the victim, which as guys, you know, and as men, we get very frustrated with that kind of thing. And we want to grow with the whole, well, what about you? You know, the what about isms. 
it's usually a, a first instinct for a guy who feels like he's being attacked, and especially when he's got the custody of his kids on the monitor. That's the trap. Mm-hmm. The trap uh, where you become the victim of the victim. You know what I mean? So, yep. It's and, true. And they play into that. They're like, well, I'm the victim and you're the crazy. And they start lashing out defensively and everything just falls downhill from there. But it's so easy to do that. And like you said, women know that they can do that. And they know that they can push your buttons enough into where you melt down all because you were desperate to keep your kids in your life. And then you're just eating that pop they're up and turn all until they say otherwise and I, I noticed a, a lot when you were uh, kind of early in your uh, when you first started a father's journey um, you started advocating a little bit and giving out really good advice for men who were either divorced or going through a divorce or leading up to getting ready to file for divorce and uh, I think it's important people like you who've been through it and have seen the good, but are also aware of how bad it can be, can help guys who are in these situations with their kids uh, and their ex or soon-to-be ex-wives navigate these waters so that in the end, they still get to remain a father to their children. Yeah, and that that was something, and I actually did a, a Smashing Fences about it. Um, I think it was one of my, it was my second episode or something. I ended up doing, I had some, I had a podcast at one point that I did talk about it as well, because I have, I actually have friends right now. I have uh, two friends who one is almost through his divorce and one has just started his divorce. And uh, both of these guys, I'm kind of, I'm not counseling them so much as just kind of being a friend and talking them through. Um, one guy, you know, both of these guys, very religious men, uh, and both, you know, uh, both of their wives cheated on them. And it, you, like I said, you notice the minute that that marriage dissolves, you'll notice the real person and there's money to be had and it's cash and prizes. But there is, the problem is, is there is nobody in the family court system that I know of, um, that is openly advocating for men's rights in especially with custody. Um, well, even the mention of that gets you branded as some kind of radical chauvinist. Right. Like you, you know, how can you, how can you honestly fight for men when women are always the victim here? And it's like, let me tell you, it's like, it is, it's, it's essentially the man taking out his wallet on a table and there's probably four lawyers, his ex, the judge, uh, the social worker, you know, the therapists, the, Everybody is taking from that wallet. There is nobody on this side of the table for him except him. And that is a really overwhelming prospect for guys who are just getting into it. And they don't have anybody to, to fight for them. You know, they're relying on their family. They're relying on, uh, you know, they don't really have anybody on their side. It's just the wallet's out. They're going to talk to the lawyers. Lawyers want to keep the, you know, they want to keep the clock ticking as long as they can because it's always about money with them. And, you know, you got lawyers that say they are advocating for the men and you're like, and they aren't. It's like nobody is, is openly advocating for the man. They're just all, he's paying. That's what he's doing. I mean, he's just paying them all to make it, make the situation right. And it's not right. And the guy's getting, the guy's getting hosed. So it's like, 
what is this guy, you know, what, what can, is there anything out there that these guys can go to and look at and say, what the hell do I do in this situation? And most of the time, and if they don't have a tribe, if they don't have a group of friends, or if they don't have somebody they know, these guys are just floating in the middle of the ocean and they have no clue. They have no idea what to do. I mean, I would, I would definitely say that, uh, there is an adjustment period. Um, the good news about the whole thing was when we, we had the visitation negotiated well before the divorce was over. So when I would say I separated in February, 2015. So I would say within two months, let's say April, 2015, uh, the kids were on regular visitation. So we were, we knew it was going to be split 50, 50. We knew how it was going to work out. So the kids, we do two on, two off, and then three on. So essentially, just to give you a, an idea, I have the kids Monday, Tuesday, then my ex has them Wednesday, Thursday, then I have them weekend, and then it switches the other way. So we've been doing that now for five years, over five years. And yeah, it did take an adjustment. Um, I will tell you that the first, God, the first three months sucked. It really sucked. Um, and this was right around the time that I was, you know, starting to try to get the house ready and trying to get my life somewhat put back together. You know, I had my family kind of alienating me because I wasn't playing, you know, they didn't think I should get divorced. And, you know, it was, it was a really rough time. And then on top of that, now I have the kids half the time that I had them and it really hit home. And I, it still kind of does after five years, I go in and I see that their rooms are empty. And I go in and, you know, I don't hear them upstairs. And I don't hear them running around or, or goofing off. But I think for me, it was such a, it was such a draining situation. My marriage was so, was such a, a depressive state that I sacrificed having my kids part-time so that I could get out of that really toxic situation. Because having the kids full-time when I was married and miserable versus having the kids part-time when I'm actually happy and trying to get my life together, it, it's night and day. It's like having them all the time. 
um, it just, my outlook, you know, changed because I got out of that toxic situation. And yes, I don't get to see my kids all the time, but, um, you know, I hear from them every day and I talk to them every day and I don't necessarily get to see them, but, and luckily they only live about a mile away. I'm very lucky to know that they're right down the street from me, essentially. Um, and that could be a lot, it could be a lot worse. It could be an hour, it could be two hours away. But, um, like I said, my situation is extremely, uh, it's extremely exceptional because of what we've done and what, what we've gotten built here. But yeah, it was pretty miserable. The first three months was, was rough because you have to not only, you know, say, Hey, this is all kind of falling down around me. And then the only two people that maybe are kind of in your corner are, are only there for you part of the time. <laughs> so it's a pretty lonely road. It really is. It's pretty rough. resign themselves to say, well, this is my life now. I'm a divorcee. I'm a, a part-time single father. And they, they lose their lust for, for life. And I think that's where a lot of uh, these kids that are coming out of divorced homes, um, I think it's where a lot of the damage comes from is because they see mom is, you know, either bouncing from dude to dude or living perfectly fine with a new husband or even by herself. And then dad is just kind of the weakling half shell of a man that he used to be because he was defeated once and never got back up. But you, you know, you right now are on this like powerhouse journey. And that's what I really love about the, the title of your site and your blog, uh, A Father's Journey, because you've gone from being the married family man and you've gone, you know, to being the divorced dad. And you didn't just leave it at, I'm a divorced dad. You started pushing yourself to get in great shape, get out of debt, build a legacy that you can still leave behind. You know, focusing on your work and your company and traveling and doing all these things so that you can be truly happy, so that you're not a half shell of a man. And your kids, when you do have them, they don't see uh, a half depressed, half shell of a man. They see man, a father who is strong and powerful and delivering to them the type of presence that they need in their lives. And um, so you, you want to kind of tell us what's that's, what that's been like? It's been interesting. Um, I will, I will tell you, it's been, um, it's been kind of a, it, it's been a journey. It's been a, it's been, a, it's been testing myself. It's been trying to do things that um, I've never done before. Um, this whole thing started, uh, because I decided that I wanted to be the red pill dad. And this has been, this has been two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago. And I wanted to just, I read all about all, all the red pill stuff and, you know, all the manuscript stuff and rational mail and all that stuff. And I read it all. And I went in the monk mode for like six months and it was in about 20, it was in about 2015, 2016 is when I did it. And I did it 2018. I started getting into it again and started it all out that way. And I was just going to be this, this uh, anonymous sounding board that just, you know, kind of, yeah, 
push that along like a lot of us, you know, a lot of, you know, manuscript guys stepped out to do. But then I started to notice that there was a lot more to life than intersexual dynamics. I was, I, I've been terrible with women. I was terrible with women my whole life. I, I always have been bad with women. Um, and I wanted to improve myself to show that I could at least be passable with women. I said, if I could just be passable, I'd be okay with that. And it's grown past that, which has been great, but it's also kind of opened up this entire world that I didn't know about, that nobody really tells you about once you, you know, discover it and you're just sitting there going, boy, there is a lot more to life than just this. There is this, and it's this enormous world. And it is me in my blog trying to show people how I'm adapting to this world, this ever-changing world that I'm seeing, how I'm trying to go out and instead of being afraid to do things, go out and take a trip to Los Angeles, California by myself. You know, last year I took the first trip by myself to any place in the United States. And it was, it was a fun trip. It was a lot of fun. And I started to say, okay, I want to start doing this more. I want to start going and meeting people who I'm meeting on Twitter, people who I'm meeting, you know, through the FOE, uh, which I'm a proud member of. And, you know, I started going and just doing stuff. And I was like, I just don't care anymore. I want to do these things. I want to explore. I want to have you know, I want to explore this world and then describe to everybody what I'm experiencing. Because there are guys out there, like you said, who are sitting in their homes, divorced, and they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're broken, bitter. And you see it. I mean, you see it and, and they don't like women. And it's like, I'm, tr I'm sitting here going, I love women and I'll, I'll do you one better. I'm not broken I'm putting myself back together because my marital status does not define who I am. Um, while most, like you said, most guys are going to, you know, let their marriage marital status define them. Um, this is the role I'm supposed to play. I'm the divorced dad and I'm just going to feel sorry for myself. And it's like, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I've got too much. I've got two kids who are watching what I do who are looking at what I'm trying to accomplish, who see me as their dad. And I'm trying to show them, you know, one of the biggest motivations was to show them that I'm not afraid. I am afraid, but I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to do these things and I'm going to live my life with no apologies. And if I leave a legacy, that's my plan. My legacy will be that dad never ran from something. He never, I want my kids to say that. I want them to say, dad, you never ran from anything. You, you faced up to it or you, you know, took a chance. And we really appreciate you doing that because it showed us exactly how to live a life. Yeah. And, you know, as a married father, I get the, I guess the gravitational pull as it were identifying as like I'm for example I'm not Jeff I'm you know a husband and a father I'm a family man but no that's the that's the trap that you know 
men get locked into uh, a role-based identity. I'm not, well, I am. I am a dad. I am a husband. But I'm Jeff, and there's more to me than just uh, having a wife and having children. And just like you, there's more to Tim than being divorced single dad. You're Tim. And, you know, when you mentioned that you had hit uh, that point where you started discovering the red pill, you were doing the red pill dad thing, I don't see anything actually wrong with the red pill as a, as, as like a way station, right? Not as a destination, but as a way station. It's somewhere that you can stop and refuel along the way and get, get a map and some directions. But then you have to transition out of that because, like, like you were mentioning, the guys in the manosphere or the red pill sphere or whatever it is, you see a lot of people get stuck and they, like you said, they're angry and they're bitter and they hate women. And I had someone get really pissed off at me because I made this analogy, but fuck him. Um, yeah. You're listening, and you know who you are. Fuck you. But it's kind of like when you see a dog that's been beaten, right? No matter how nice you are, no matter how good your intentions are, no matter how pure you are, you try to pet that dog, and he's going to fucking bite you just because he's terrified. He's been beaten so much, and that happens to a lot of guys because they've been beaten down and fucked over by the system so many times that they're just like, fucking all women are evil. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this as a disclaimer. There is not one single woman on this planet who on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most, 1 being the least, that's not at least all of them are at the very minimum a 4 on the crazy scale. But... Hey, this is Nate from Unlimited Life Concepts, and we teach people how cash flow strategy can be just as powerful as investing. Imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. We offer a lifetime membership to our financial education platform for $77, but right now you can use promo code RUGGEDLEGACY and save 50% off. With Go Hunt America, you can experience your own outdoor adventure at the touch of your finger. You can find hunting, fishing, and camping spots anywhere in the U.S., put there by private landowners, and you can even list your own. It doesn't matter if it's a large tract of land or a small duck blind. Just go to GoHuntAmerica.com to get started. Coming soon to the Google Play and Apple App Store. That's true. But you, that's, that's what it is. You, you've been, they've been beaten down and hurt so freaking much. They, I mean, they lost everything. They lost their house, their job, their career. They had to get rid of all their belongings and they lost their kids. And that's, that's trauma, right? That, that is a trauma. That's an emotional trauma. And 
emotional trauma doesn't heal like physical trauma. That shit lingers and it, it gets molded over and just festers. And so you have guys who are, they find the red pill and it feels so invigorating because just like that dog lashes out with his teeth after it's been beaten, it uses anger as a coping or a defense mechanism. And so you can't, they can never trust women again because they're so pissed off that they've gotten hurt. And they're really, they're just fucking hurt. And they use the idea of being pissed off to keep them from ever going past that point. So they themselves just remain angry and bitter. And that's another trap that a lot of guys fall into. But like I said, it's not a bad point to get to as long as you don't stay there and you keep going. And that's what you did. You know, what you were just talking about. You don't hate women. You love women. You like, you know, women are fun. Women, women can be a lot of fun. They are. Absolutely. I agree 100% on that. But you can't lose yourself inside of a woman or in the presence of a woman or a woman's role in your life. You can't lose yourself in that. You know, I've told, I tell my wife all the time, and I've, I've even had this conversation with uh, my 18-year-old son who just moved out to the house yesterday to go north with a girl. Is it <laughs> what if she's the one? I said, son, your mother's not even the one. I said, your mother is one of three billion women on this planet. We have similar values, and we've created a life together, and we work on our relationship, and we grow together. And yes, we love each other. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I love my wife. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, any man can damn near do that with any woman should their value and you know, their, their personal values and virtues and physical attraction all matches up. You know, the chemistry, as it were. Anybody can do that. Yeah. I said, but if your mother left me today, yeah, I w it would suck. And I'd be devastated. But I'd be fine. Because your mother is not the sole source of value in my life. She contributes to the value and makes my life better. But if she left, I would still have a damn good that's what a lot of these guys who end up bitter in divorces uh, or after divorce come out as is because they placed their identity of being a married man. And now they have to shift that identity and they think one is less than the other because it's an identity-based world. And it's it's hard because the, the generation before them, you know, my, if, and I can, I can safely say this, I really can. Um, Men tie their identities to their job, their marriage, and it was it, it was like a sitcom. And men, when if my mother and father were to divorce right now, um, I, I think that my dad would just be. I, I think my dad would go. I really do. I think he would just. I think he would die because. He doesn't have he doesn't have his job anymore. He retired, uh, but he and he doesn't have his marriage. If he didn't have his marriage, then where you know he's got so much tied into that. That and that was how I was. I had so much uh, you know my friends knew me as Tim and Tim and his wife. That's how they knew me. Um, they really didn't know who I really didn't make a name for myself. I you know clocked in, clocked out, went home, you know played with the kids and went to bed and, you know, and, and occasionally uh, every year had sex with my wife. 
uh, you know, so it was just, it was, it was this role that I played that wasn't me. And, and, and I talk, and I talk about that in my blog. I think I just had a blog post about it where I talked about make believe and everybody just seems to play a part. And then when that part is not needed anymore, they, they just, they just go, they're just, they're lost. And it's very hard to get them back. And I didn't want to be a statistic like that because I've seen too many people go down that path. And it's extremely frustrating watching guys willingly go down that path because they feel like that's the only path. You know, everybody has to play a role. Everybody's pretending instead of looking at the real self and saying, yeah, I got some shit to do, but I got to, you know, I got to get this done. I, you know, I, I got to find out who the hell I am. And that's what this journey has been for me is to find out who the hell I am. I didn't know who I was for 42 years. I didn't know who the hell I was or 40 years. I didn't know who the hell I was. And a lot of people out there are in that same spot. They don't know. They just played a role. They played a role because their family wanted them to do it or, uh, you know, their friends were hoping they'd do it. Social status, you know, career, money, whatever, they lose their identity in, in pursuit of these things. And then when they get them, they're fine. And then when they lose them, they're gone. not so much about your identity it's just what your obligations and your duty and responsibilities are you, you can ask a lot of people who are you and they're, and they're going to give you answers about what they do or, or who they're married to you know I'm, I'm a factory worker okay that's, that's your job but people tie themselves into that and what i noticed about what you were doing you started traveling because it was great to see you documented YouTube channel um, on your Twitter lives. It was who are you? And you were like, I'm fucking Tim. You know? And yeah. what does Tim do? Tim does a lot of shit. Tim does whatever the fuck he wants within the confines of his responsibilities, obligations, and wallet. But Tim is fucking Tim. Tim is not tied to one little fucking thing. And I think a lot of men could benefit from that kind of message because they do get lost. They think they're, they're just resigned to go to work, come home, get a birthday blowjob, you know, yell at their kids, fall asleep on the couch and repeat and hate us. That's all they're supposed to fucking do. But they get lost in that. And this being Father's Day episode, I have to say that what you do in the yourself and the way you carry yourself as a man if you're only identifying your life and who you are with your responsibilities then that's what your kids are going to do and if you're fucking miserable your kids are going to be miserable yeah and that's why i like you did tim you just you took off and your kids get to see a man who is constantly pr pursuing virtue and pursuing strength and pursuing success 
because he feels like he has to, but because he fucking wants to. Because there's a difference from the guy who rises up because he had no other choice versus the guy who rose up because he said, I just want to fucking do it. Well, and there's a, there's a, I will tell you that, and, and this being Father's Day and talking about this, there's a, there is a, your kids can sense that. Your kids can sense when you are, you know, it's like my kids, and it wasn't, you know, it, it was not a big deal. Uh, in my spare time, and one of the things I'm doing 31 Days to Masculinity in, in FOE right now, I'm leading a group in that. And one of my things, one of my biggest pet peeves was the fact that I didn't want to do yard work. I hate yard work. I've never done yard work. I cannot stand it. But I said, I want to do yard work. I'm going to get my house, you know, I'm going to get my landscaping. If I'm sitting here at the house and all I'm doing is working out, going to work, sleeping, and, you know, occasionally dating, I, I'm going to get my house together. I need, you know, I've been here four years. It's another thing where I've just like these guys that are in their roles and they're just clocking in and clocking out every day. I don't, I didn't take care of my house. I wasn't keep, I wasn't keeping my room clean as, as uh, Peterson would say. And I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get this thing done. Well, I, I got the backyard done. It, it, it was a pain in the butt. It was a lot of money, but uh, my kids come and they see outside and they're like, dad, did you do this? And I'm like, yeah. I said, I was tired of living in a crap, in a crap house. I want to fix this stuff up. Well, how'd you know how to do this, this, and this? I go, I, I just, I, I looked it up and I learned. And it's amazing when you are pursuing greatness, I mean, legitimately trying to make your life better, how your kids see you doing that, how they, when you're, you know, the attitude is different when, you know, I can tell you that from when I was married versus when my kids, when I was divorced and now, between now and I was married, my kids looked at me when I was married as just dad. And now they, they look at me as divorced and they see dad, you know, with a purpose, dad with a journey in mind, dad with a mission, dad trying to make his life better and in turn making our lives better. Um, and so, yes, it, it has absolutely kind of, there was a switch inside of me that just said, you know, I've never done this stuff. It's time for me to do this, these things and to face some of the things that I was dealing with. And it, it was very difficult to get started, but once the kids see it, and once they see that you are not just dad, you are, you know, you are hell bent on doing, you know, living your life, then there's just a new, there's a new admiration from them, I think. And I've seen that a lot from my kids, uh, especially, uh, with my, you know, with my journey and everything like that, it's definitely turned them, you know, when you wake up to just, when you wake up in the morning with a purpose and you get up and you're, you know, you're, you're raring to go and you're ready to become a better person. It just, it rubs off on everybody. And my kids are, are definitely seeing it. No doubt. Yeah, see, that's Correct. I have two girls. Yeah. And see, I have a majority of them sons. Right. I've still, still got one girl. Yeah. But one thing that has always kind of stuck out in my mind when it comes to being a father 
my sons are going to use me as an example. They're going to model their lives after me. And if I'm not the kind of man that I'm comfortable my sons being, then I've got a lot of work to do. And with my daughter, you know, she came as number eight of nine, so I had to do a whole lot of redirect when she came along. But you know this as a Your daughters are going to look at you as the first and most prime example of what a man is and how a man should carry himself and how a man should live, how he should treat other people, how you know, he should treat his children or his girlfriend, wife, their mother. Everything about a man that they're going to formulate their first opinions on is portrayed by you. So if you're kind of a piece of shit, they're going to think that a piece of shit man is the standard. And so when they go out, you're going to have to watch your daughter date and marry and have kids with a piece of shit guy. Or you can set the example and constantly be pushing and rising above and say, I'm still not perfect, but I'm striving for it. And I'm never going to get there, but I'm never going to stop striving. You know, like Sisyphus with the rock. I'm never going to get this fucking thing over the top, but I'm going to keep pushing it. You're going to set a high bar for your daughters when they go out and they finally get to the age of dating. You're going to go, the way that man, my father, behaved, the way he acted, the way he carried himself, the way he treated me, and the way I saw him treat my mother, and the way I saw him behave, that's the standard. And any little boy out here who doesn't match that or is it not at least trying and actively pursuing to match that and surpass it, it's not going to be good. And that's what we want. Yeah. We want them to have standards. Uh, just like, I mean, you know, I always get kind of, I get kind of backhanded uh, kind of criticism from my family about the fact is, well, why, why aren't you, you know, why don't you settle down? And why don't you find, you know, why don't you find somebody? And I said, well, because I have standards. And I was told before that I didn't necessarily have to have those standards. I was told that, uh, you know, just find a good girl and, and, and everything is good. And it's like, no, I, I have standards. Now, it's not necessarily visual standards. I mean, she, I mean, I'd like to have somebody who's very attractive. That's fine. I want, but I want somebody... I always talk about ride or die. And just like you and your wife, it's like, she's there. She is there, ride or die. That is, I mean, relationship goals. That's what I always talked about. You're a, a prime example of that. It's like, I have somebody who has got my back. And my daughters are going into this world here in about, well, six years and six and eight years, respectively. And I want them to have standards and I don't want them to apologize for having those standards. And I also don't want them to be afraid of potentially being alone for a little bit. Um, that to me is another, is another key for them, but it's like, I want them to apply standards of excellence in their own life, but also apply it to other people and have those boundaries and be able to say, Hey, you know, you're just not cutting the mustard. And if I show them half of that, I show them 
of how I'm trying to conduct my life. And I always tell them this, it's, it's my life and it may not be much, but it's mine. And I determine who gets to be in my life. And that is because I have a high standard threshold for people who I have in my life. And there are some friends who I've had to say goodbye to who are not up to that standard. And I want them to, you know, go out in the world and have standards and be able to say, look, I hold myself to a very high standard. I want somebody who does the exact same thing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Women get a lot of crap, uh, and you see it like, oh, you better hurry up and uh, settle down before you hit the wall. And yeah, I'm kind of inclined to agree with that old joke. You know, men age like wine, women age like milk. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's. <laughs> It means he's not in a corpse. Yeah, it means he's not a corpse. Well, I'm living it. And that's something else that they are seeing. Yeah, they're, see they're seeing it. They're seeing me. You know, it's like their mom, uh, you know, and this is what's so funny about my relationship with my ex is, is her boyfriend is a really good friend of mine. And uh, it's like, she was so anxious to get into another relationship. But then she saw me kind of, I was in and out of relationships as soon as I got divorced. And I, I, you know, my longest relationship was about six months. And it just got to the point where I was just like, I, 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 these people are not up to what I'm trying to do here. And so I just, I hit the reset button. And I said, I'm going to actually enjoy being alone. And I'm going to extol the virtues of that to my kids because 
you know, society looks down on that a lot. And they say, well, you just, you know, being alone, aren't you lonely? You know, shouldn't you be finding somebody? And you're like, no, I'm pretty freaking happy to, to be completely honest with you. Uh, and my ex even made, made mention of that. She's like, you know, and, and they don't ask me anymore if, oh, do you have a girlfriend or what, are you, when are you going to settle down? They don't ask me because they know that my, I'm on, I, I'm completely above that now. I'm actually, I've, I've graduated to, I'm worrying about myself right now. And if a woman does tend to come along and she's got, she, you know, she's got some values that I really like and we, we hit it off, then I will gladly, you know, she's going to be along for the ride, but my, I, I'm still going out and I want, I don't want my kids to ever see me settle and just stop. I don't want them to see me just kind of say, you know, oh, well, I made it, or I got three-fourths of the way there, so I'm, I'm done. I want them to see a guy who every day is trying to go out and do more with his life and trying to make his life better and is not going to be weighed down by, you know, expe you know lack of expectation or just being tired and not having, you know, not pushing through and not taking, you know, just... I don't ever want to be, I want to show them that the sky's the limit uh, and that anything I want to do, I'm going to do it. And they are, you know, I want them to witness that because I don't want them. That's the lesson I want them to have in their lives is, you know, yeah, this is good, but I want better and I can do better if I work at it. woman cannot raise uh, a boy to be a man. Only a man can do that. And a man cannot raise a daughter to be a woman. And only a woman can do that because, you know, their counterparts don't know, you know, fucking anything about what they're supposed to be teaching. Yeah, right. Fucking counterparts. Like, you know, I have a fucking chance to teach my daughter that. But I can teach my daughter values. I can teach my daughter virtue. And I But I think the most important thing that I can teach my daughter and you teach your daughters is what a man really is and can and should be. Because right now there's a war going on against the image of men and what men are and what they represent. And if that bullshit gets shoved into heads, they will forget that they, they themselves have value and that they deserve, because if they're, if they're told all men are trash, but then they want to have children, they're just going to pick a random trash man to have kids with. So we have to show them that men should act this way, not because you don't have value and you need to find a man of value, but because you have value shouldn't sacrifice it for a man without value. You know, in, in, the, in the adverses, you know, the same for our sons, you have to be a fucking man of value if you want to attract a woman or find a woman who has value, who doesn't just regard you as, you know, a baby daddy 
think that's important and the way you've been handling it and the way you've been exemplifying it in your own life I hell I'm, I'm enjoying the hell I've been I'm inspired just by watching it because the only way to truly show is to do you can't be you know, do as I say but not as I do. You can't live one way but try to teach another. And with what I've seen and the, all your content on a father's journey, um, the fact that you were doing smashing fences, your Twitter lives, the content you're putting out, the private conversations that you and I have had uh, within the confines of the FOE, you are living the example. And you admit to your never stop there. You continue to try to improve. And I think that's an important message for all fathers, especially today. You know, you've got your card, you've got your pocket knife, you've got your socks, you've got your underwear today. Uh, or you've got your fishing trip, your gun, whatever it is. But that's just a thank you for doing what's expected of you. Your real reward, your real Father's Day present is going children walk out the door to start their life and they are filled with examples and lessons and values and virtues that you showed them through the way you live not just what you told them to be or how you said you expect them to be but how you live and how you showed them how to live and how you showed them what men are and should be and can be the way you showed them Look at the life I built, and when you look at it, you see that they built a life that you would have tried to build yourself, that you were proud of, and they did it because you showed them how. That's your real Father's Day present. Yeah, it's fun to get the new gun, the pocket knife, the fishing trip, and spend some time with the kids barbecuing, but that's not the present. The present is you creating solid men and solid women that you're going to launch into this world. since we're getting close to the end of it here and that was my ending monologue is there anything you would like to add before we uh, wrap it up I would just like to say um, to all the fathers out there uh, happy Father's Day you are not forgotten uh, you are a very integral part of what we're trying to build here and keep going keep doing, keep showing, um, keep teaching. Uh, our kids, our next generation of kids are very impressionable and they need all of the strong masculine male figures they can get. Because I think once uh, we start showing them exactly how to live as a man, then they will take those lessons and grow. And that is exactly what fathers have to do. And uh, to me, that's what I'm going to keep doing. And I'm going to keep showing everybody what I'm doing. Uh, I've got a lot of people who are watching me on this journey. And I want to show them that anything's possible. That actions speak louder than anything. And that a future that you can create with your own two hands is the best future you can have. So happy Father's Day to all those great guys out there. We love you.
well said. Andy, you not so great guys. It's never too late to step it up. You just have to be honest with yourself and be willing to roll up your sleeves and put in the effort. Neither Tim or myself have been perfect fathers our entire time as being fathers. The point is we realize that and we accept that and we face it and we start to try to do better. That's all it takes. Just start doing better. And it's going to suck. It's going to be difficult. But your kids deserve it. Nothing worthwhile is uh, nothing worthwhile is uh, is easy, and that is one thing that most guys have got to understand. And once they do, magic. Couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for this episode, this special Father's Day episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. So until next time, you guys be careful. Take it easy. Don't wear a mask. Help social distance. Eat red meat. And fuck like a porn star. Thank you guys for listening. Tim, thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rugged legacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.